Hello and welcome on into episode number 550 of the Wise Guys Podcast. I'm John Tortorelli with my co-host Brennan Capizzillo, and today we have much to discuss in the NFL. Now, for the last two episodes, we have been without Jay Ray. We're hoping and expecting to have him back for episode number 51 here on Thursday night, so we can have the entire team. We can react all together to some of the events that happened this last weekend in the NFL. But, BCAP, yesterday we finished recording right before the Packers and Cowboys went to overtime. And what do you know? The Cowboys, a team that has been rolling the season, and the Packers' five-game skid. Green Bay takes the game, and there's a couple of different developments here for both sides. I'm going to start off with you. This is the type of win for Green Bay that seems to revitalize your season. Though when you look at the NFC North standings, they're far and away uh, a second a runner-up to Minnesota. Right now, when you look at this Green Bay Packer team with the performance they had last night on primetime, can they get back into the playoff mix? And most of all, is there some cloud of hope? Or just, a, I guess, a box of hope, not a cloud. A cloud's a negative thing for the Packers to get back on track and be a dark horse NSC championship team this season. I don't know about that. That's going a little too far. Um, making the playoffs, though, there's a very realistic shot uh, for the Green Bay Packers to make the playoffs. I've been saying it all season that I, I'm not really counting out Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady as well. Um, I mean, listen, they got the Titans, the Eagles, Bears, Rams, Dolphins, Vikings, Lions to end the season. The two games in there that you say are like, all right, I mean, three games are going to be tough, but I, I think that if they can only lose two of their uh, last, what is that, uh, six games, I think that they can be in a, a good position to uh, uh, sneak their way into the seventh seed. Uh, but I've been saying it all year to you guys, you and Justin, I've been saying I'm not surprised if Aaron Rodgers goes out there and steals a game or wins a game because he's Aaron freaking Rodgers. And you guys, you know, said, nah, there's no way. Like, I'd be absolutely shocked if that happened. Well, he did it. You know, he looked happy. <laughs> uh, winning will do that. Throwing touchdowns will do that. Looking good will do that. Christian Watson had a big breakout day, uh, three touchdowns. Uh the run game was on point. AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones are running that ball. Uh, the, the Packers really played the style of football that I think we all kind of expected them to play, which is b basically be a run a run first team and let Aaron Rodgers make you know a couple great throws a game. Uh, basically, be Aaron Rodgers, not turn the football over, make great throws, make great decisions. They haven't been that. Uh, that has to do with, you know, not sticking to the run game, not calling the right plays, uh, a lot of miscommunication between Rodgers and the young receivers, whether that be, you know, running the wrong routes, not being where he thought they should be, uh, dropping passes. And the defense has really, you know, not played well, even though they have, I've said this before, um, I think the most first and second round uh, talents in the entire NFL. But they won the game uh, yesterday. They beat the Dallas Cowboys in a big game. Uh, I thought the Cowboys were going to win. Uh, one thing I, I mean, the kryptonite for the Cowboys is what it, what we have always known it was this year. They can't stop the run. 
And when you can't stop the run, it's going to be very difficult, especially, I mean, you're not going to let Micah Parsons, your best player, be able to tee off. That run game is going to, you know, the players are going to get tired. They're going to get beat up. They're 30th, I believe, in in the NFL right now in uh, stopping the run. Bad. Uh, They allowed 207 yards rushing against the Green Bay Packers. I think... (sighs) Green Matt LaFleur needs to start calling uh, the Green Bay offense like a Kyle Shanahan. You know, use the running backs, use the two running backs, use the motion, use your playmakers, uh, intermediate passing game. He comes from the Shanahan tree. You know, his, I believe his first job in the NFL was with the uh, Washington Commanders uh, with, under Mike Shanahan in 2010 to 2013. I think he was the quarterback's coach. That was the uh, RG3 team uh, and then going into Kirk Cousins, I believe. And then he was also spent a year under uh, Sean McVay with the Los, uh, Los Angeles Rams. He needs to start, you know, coaching like them too. He also was in Houston with Arian Foster back in 2009 and 2010. You know, BCAF, for the Cowboys to come off the bye week, I'm not going to overreact to this loss. But it was very bizarre that Dan Quinn used Micah Parsons on only 10 snaps as an edge rusher. I felt like for an offensive line this year, they struggled so much, so much. Josh Nyman did a pretty good job in the limited sample against Micah, but I felt like Dallas did a poor job, really just letting Micah play where he is absolute best, where he's a game wrecker, and that's on the edge. And that really was bizarre to me because even while using him less as an edge, they still could not stop the run. And for the Packers, it's quite straightforward. When I said they are going to go to the NFC Championship game this year, and beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it was because I expected these rookie receivers to make an impact by the end of the year. And through 10 weeks, Christian Watson was mostly a non-factor, and Robio Dobbs was the only receiver that seemed to have some level of upside to be more than a 600 yards guy, given Randall Cobbs and IR with an ankle injury, Sammy Watkins is cooked, and just generally speaking, Alan Lazard is like a, a low-end wide receiver number two, maybe a good wide receiver number three. And to have four catches, 100-plus yards, and three TDs on a crucial fourth down in the fourth quarter, Christian Watson showed us these receivers have all the tools, all the upside to take over games. It's just a matter of having that confidence. And I think the mental fortitude for Gun Watson to drop a crucial pass on third down earlier in the game, and then Aaron Rodgers goes right back to him. He connects on a crucial 40-plus yard touchdown. That got the confidence going. That got him feeling right. First touchdown of the season, and now we're seeing Watson get going in a crucial part of the year where the schedule is only going to get tougher. And there's about four or five teams all competing for that wild card spot. And so to have Romeo Dalb sooner rather than later in the come sooner rather than later coming back from injury and Watson clicking at this time, there is hope. There is hope the Packers offense can be the balanced attack most NFL fans expected coming to the season. I still feel like they lack consistency on the outside, but when you have that level of playmaking and dynamicism with what Watson can do week in and week out, give him just the physical tools. I'm not out on Green Bay, and there's still a very real chance they can just scrap in nine or ten wins and grab wild cards back. Uh, I'm not going to blow up uh, the Dallas Cowboys loss either. Uh, yeah, Dak turned the football over twice, but. Really, both times it was miscommunication. Uh, the first one, it was Dalton Schultz 
really crowding the middle of the field. And you saw afterwards Dak and CD basically telling Schultz that, like, yo, you're not supposed to be here. Uh, and the other one was uh, a miscommunication between Dak and CD Lambs. They, so they do have to get on the same page, right? All the receivers and Dak have to get onto the same page. Um, I think that's, that's just going to come with more reps, um, being in practice more, game time more, going down the season. Uh, the real, like I said, the real kryptonite is they can't stop the run. Like it's okay to be middle of the pack, right? Against stopping the run, but when you're the thirtieth ranked team, that's not a recipe for success. Because if you look at all the basically all the teams in the NFC, right? Vikings, Dalvin Cook can run the ball. Philadelphia can run the ball. Uh, the Giants can run the ball. The 49ers can run the ball. The Seahawks, even though the Buccaneers stopped them last week, they can run the football. <laughs> so it's it's not looking – and we saw the Buccaneers on opening night with Leonard Fournette run the hell out of uh, uh, um, against Dallas. They've got to sure that up. That needs to be shored up. What is the difference between last year's Cowboys team that won 11 games and this year's Cowboys team? Hmm. That's a good question. It, I mean, obviously the offense isn't, isn't as explosive, right? Uh, last year they led the league. They were number one in, uh, I believe, scoring and yards. This year they're they're not um, they're not that. The defense is better, except for against stopping the run. Yeah, I guess that's really it. I mean, they're not if if the offense if if the defense of this year and the offense of last year could have came together, we would be looking at a much better team. But that's not the case, uh, and that comes with a lot of things. You know, Amari Cooper obviously being gone, uh, and C.D. Lamb having to fill up that role. Michael Gallup coming off a torn ACL. That's a lot of things. You know, a lot of uh, uh, things going on in the offense there. So that's why everybody's like, yo, let's get Odell in there. Uh, so yeah, they got to figure a, a couple things out. But I think main main point, I think, is they got to figure out how they can at least slow the run game down. Yeah, they added Jonathan Hankins from the Raiders, hoping that could be the difference. And that did. it just that did. probably is not enough when you look at that performance. But you have to give a tip of the cap. To Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Dillon had one of his better games in the season. For Green Bay, that should be one of the better running games. And for Dallas, this was a uh, a great test of how good of a team they are. And I made a mistake before. They won, tw they won 12 games last year, not 11. I feel like this is the same exact team, a good wild card squad that ultimately has a bad coach yeah. and struggles in these big-time games. I, I think... They're going to be a one-and-done yet again this year. So if there's I, anything else you have, be sure to add it. Yeah, and I really think, last thing, I really think uh, you hit the nail on the head. The, I think the main reason that this team struggles in the biggest moments is because of the head guy. You're telling me right now if Sean Payton was the head coach right now that, you know, come on. But, yeah. Should I say it? What do you say? What if Can't Kevin O'Connell is your head coach? The Vikings head coach? Former Patriot? 
I, 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 I don't know about that. Why are you laughing? At what? Because you said he's a former Patriot, so I just laughed. Mike Vrabel's a former Patriot, so yeah, I know, but at least Patriot he was, at least one, he one did something. At least he did something. McConnell, he has eight wins. No, he has nine. No, I'm he's talking nine. as a player, as the on a on the Patriots team. You said McConnell didn't do nothing. Vrabel sure, was actually, but... you know, a, a key part. He caught he caught I think two touchdowns in the Super Bowl, early two thousands. And actually, I'm wrong. The Vikings have eight, not nine wins, but. Last year, their kryptonite is winning close games, and this year, that's all they do. Just win close single-possession scores in games that way. I'm just, I'm, I think if Kevin O'Connell, like, he's a good head coach. If you're in Dallas, I think that would be enough. I mean, I think he's probably better than Mike McCarthy, but we've only seen, what, eight games of Kevin O'Connell. We haven't seen, you know, this the consistency. That's how you – that's what makes uh, – that's the difference between great and, and good is consistency, so – Talking about consistency, two teams that lack a lot of it are the Denver Broncos and the Las Vegas Raiders. Not just consistency, they lack, uh, I guess it's the ability to find ways to win. Man. How's that comeback arc coming, John? For what, what team? You know which team. You know. I'm not sure your what you're boys, about. Your boys, the Denver Broncos. How's that arc you, tweeted, you, you texted us about? My boys? Yeah, your boys. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. You dude. know what I'm talking about. Don't, don't divert. Come on now. No, I you you texted us and I quote, "Broncos redemption redemption arc." So how's that going? How's it looking? Well, they lost to a very good team, the Titans, that got Ryan Tannehill back. This episode was brought to you by our friends at Best Dan. When it comes to sports betting, guys, all of us want to make the most money, we want to get the best bait for a buck. And with the Best Dan app, what they'll provide you with is the best odds across the sports betting market. All you have to do is download their completely free app and sign up for any of the variety of sports books out there so that you can give yourself an edge in the game. Be sure to bet like a pro with the Best Dan app. Not only is it free, but it provides so many other perks custom betting trackers if you want to sell any picks and there's no commission royalty free you get the entire cuts thank you to best in for supporting our show and as always let's get back to it i want to start off with the las vegas raiders all right let's start off if i were to tell you bcap two months ago the las vegas raiders would start the season two and seven what would your initial reaction been i'm not surprised I'm not surprised either because yeah. I thought the Raiders were going to be like a seven or eight win team. I, should, I, I should, didn't I expect should, them to be this bad. I should have, I should have said uh, to quote the great Nathan Diaz. I, I can't say the full thing, but I'm not surprised, mother. You know what? Um, yeah, but they, I, 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 I'm not. I wasn't a big believer in Josh McDaniels. I'm sorry. I was willing to see it to give him the next shot. You know, to see if he could fix it. But I wasn't a believer. I'm not a big believer in Derek Carr. I, lo I love his passion. Uh, and we Can we saw talk that. about what just happened on Sunday? Yeah, let's talk about what happened so, on Sunday. I think all of us went in with the expectation Sam Ellinger be the starting quarterback. And when Jeff Saturday came in, it was sure this was going to be the worst team in football. The Colts may not win a game for the rest of the season. They may finish 2-15 and and get the first overall pick. But no, Matt Ryan plays, 37 years old, coming off of injury, and Jonathan Taylor comes back, and they run all over the Las Vegas Raiders. It took them a while to get Devontae Adams going. And in the first half, the only player that really was, or in the first quarter, making a difference on the offense was Josh Jacobs. 
And then defensively, I mean, the entire team fell apart. They had 10 penalties, they struggled to tackle, and you could just tell BCAP in the locker room there's not a collective buy-in. Matt Ryan in this game went on a 39-yard run. Let that sink in for a moment. Jonathan Taylor, who has struggled for basically the last eight, nine weeks with injury, wasn't fully 100% with his ankle, goes off, and we know what Jonathan Taylor is capable of. The Raiders didn't even play that bad of a game. We saw Devontae Adams had a monster performance because he got going at the end. Ultimately, they missed opportunities. Michael Pittman has a crucial fumble, falls in the open space, and he somehow, it fumbles 10 yards behind him, and he still ends up recovering it. It's plays like that. Opportunities, they're going to happen once or twice a game that decide wins and losses. And when I look at this Raiders team, they are better than 2-7. and seven. But the issue here is not the fact they're struggling to win games. The issue is... They have a divided locker room, and it befuddles me that this offseason, they add in the Patriots GM, the former one, and the Patriots former offensive coordinator. They have all these ex-Patriots. You would think the Raiders would have a stronger locker room, given how much they overcame last year, and yet it's a divided one. I said this offseason was a bad one for the Raiders, and the one player I haven't talked about who's been another no-show is Chandler Jones. Where has Chandler Jones been this year? I have not seen him, and better yet... I can't even listen to him on a press conference or anything. I look at this Raiders defense, it's Max Crosby and basically nothing else. He was the only player yesterday to get a sack against one of the worst offensive lines in football and not exactly the most mobile quarterback under center either. So you look at this Raiders team in a hole and Derek Carr to the game is literally crying. That's how frustrated he is with the simple fact they can't win games. And I have to say, I love Derek Carr's mentality. I said he was literally crying. That's how much he cares about this franchise. And whether or not you think he's this good or that good as a quarterback, at the end of the day, Derek Carr is a true leader. And it's, that's what surprises me so much about this. The fact that in spite of his leadership, how much he wants to win, Max Crosby, Devontae Adams, and how good this team is on paper, they can't find ways to beat Jeff Saturday, who a week ago was on his couch playing fantasy football. Um, well... I think he was on air filming first take, but that's not the here. He's doing both. Uh, yeah. Uh, Chandler Jones, I mean, just to read off his stats for the season, 19 total tackles and uh, half a sack. <sighs> um, nice. Not bad. But in terms of what you were saying, John, um, I mean, we should say, I guess, but this is neither here nor there, because even when these two guys were healthy, they still weren't, you know, they weren't winning much games. Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro, but they still weren't winning much games. And Renfro, even when he was in the in the lineup and healthy, he wasn't getting targeted as much as last year. Um, but to go off of what you finished with is, you know, you believe in Derek Carr and you think he's a great leader, and I think he is a, a very good leader. Uh, I love his passion. I love that energy, uh, the raw emotion. But this is what he said, uh, just uh, two quotes in the press conference. And just pick up on the subtleness, you know, the subtle quote, what some of us are doing to be at practice. What I feel about losing, I wish everybody felt that way. He's straight up saying there's people on this team that they're fine with just collecting their check and going home. And that's not okay. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's just gonna, <laughs> it's a tough go for these uh, Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, yeah, 
I don't know how to fix it really. I mean, Josh McDaniels is not really going to be the guy. I'm sorry. He's going to be out in the next, you know, probably midway next year if they don't figure it out. You uh, think McDaniels about, I have to ask you, I'm sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. In 2018, Mark Davis signs John Gruden to a 10 year, $100 million contract. Fully and guaranteed. not even halfway, he was guaranteed buying him out. Mm-hmm. That's a, a pretty heavy one at that they have to pay. You think Josh McDaniels is going to survive this season? Because there has to be someone here that takes the hit. I'm just not a f- I understand that. I, I just I'm not I'm never a fan of coaches getting fired after their first year. Um yeah, I do think he can last the year. I mean, we've seen I mean, the the first one that only cut the only one that I can think of that got fired in their first year uh, recently I think was Steve Wilkes um, for the Arizona Cardinals with that Josh Rosen year uh, and they kicked him out the door got Kyler Murray and got Cliff Kingsbury uh, so yes I do think he survives but I don't know how long he survives the year after that's really where it's gonna because I think they're gonna probably say okay Josh Darren Waller was injured all season um, Hunter Renfro went down. Chandler Jones was a terrible. Yeah, Chandler Jones was a terrible signing. He didn't show up for crap. We're gonna try and figure some things out in the offseason. We're gonna give you one last shot. But if you don't get this thing rolling this year, I mean, we're paying a lot of money. Uh, You're gonna have to kick the door. And I think Derek Carr might be on his way out as well with him. Not because it's Derek Carr's fault, but because they're gonna start going into a rebuild mode. Uh, I could see Devontae Adams probably out the door too. I mean, they can get some really good draft capital for their these players. I mean. Josh Jacobs, well, actually, they declined his fifth-year option, so he's going to be uh, – but they could franchise tag him if they wanted to. Uh, so Devontae, Derek Carr, Darren Waller, Max Crosby, those are some really good pieces that you can trade away to get a lot of draft capital. So the future could look bright if done right. You have to be careful, though, because you look at the Panthers. If you trade all those players, no one's going to want to coach for you. If they come into a situation where it's just devoid, of talent, somebody's gonna coach. Somebody's gonna coach. You want to get? You won't get a high. You won't get. You might. I mean, Las Vegas is a high market. They might be able to convince them with the money side. I don't think they're gonna trade everybody. I, I should take that. I think Derek Carr would be gone. They might keep Devontae, but Devontae might force his way out because he's not about you know trying to be on a rebuild. Darren Waller's been connected to trade rumors all season, basically. Uh, Josh Jacobs didn't. They didn't accept it. Max Crosby. They probably keep Max Crosby. I would say Max Crosby. Crosby would stay. There would be somebody out there that would take that job though. And it's not. I don't know if it's even about the next coach. It might be the coach after, where they actually, you know, start getting a, a build together. <laughs> Do you want me to list off to you how poorly this team drafted over the last four years? Probably not that good. <laughs> Well, clearly, I think most of us off the top of our heads can recollect the 2019 draft class. So I think all of us can kind of think back to when the Raiders moved Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper, and they went to this total rebuild. And in 2019, BCAP, they got three first-round draft picks. Yes. Klein Farrell, fourth overall, Josh Jacobs, 24th, and Jonathan Abram, 27th. So Farrell is still on the team. He was a master agent number four, but he hasn't basically played in two years. He's a reserve. Josh Jacobs is a really good running back, but running backs in the first round are not very valuable. And Jonathan Abrams on the Packers practice squad. 
You take it to the next step in 2020. You take Henry Ruggs, number 12, and Damon Arnett, number 19. I'm going to list off to you a couple of players that went after Henry Ruggs, number 12, and Damon Arnett. Tristan Wirfs at number 13. Justin Jefferson at number 22. Brian Ayuk at number 25. And T. Higgins at number 33. Just a few receivers. Then in 2021, they take Alex Leatherwood in the first round. Number 17, just like Clinton Farrell, a massive reach. He's currently on the Bears as a backup tackle. And then in 2022, they trade their first round pick and their second pick. They go all in on this team. And, oh, wait. They're the worst team in their division and their conference, nearly. And, um... See, while you're reading that stuff on, John, one thing that just clicks to me is that uh, that's another feather in, in Josh McDaniel's cap that he has an argument where he's like, I didn't draft this team. I mean, go, but that was all Josh, uh, uh, not Josh, uh, John Gruden's drafting. I, I didn't do this, you know. Um, so that's another, you know, argument he can make about, listen, just give me, you know, another shot where I can, you know, at least draft some guys that I like. But things are still not looking good for the Las Vegas Raiders, you know? The only thing they have going for them is that they do have their draft pick this year. Because if they gave that up for Devontae as well, it would be doomsday in Vegas. So you talk yourself in the game, top five pick. And then from there, I think you start to pivot in a new direction. Whatever that direction may be, it should be one of ambition. And I don't think Josh McDaniels is going to be a part of that. The other coach in the AFC West that's not done too well this year is Nathaniel Hackett. Nathaniel the can't hack it? Are three and six. And yesterday against Tennessee Titans, they struggled. 417 on third down, 10 points. It's insane to me. And the Broncos this year have arguably the best defense in football. If it's not the best, it's top three definitively. I mean, there are so many things going for them on that side of the ball, even after trading Bradley Chubb for a first-round draft pick in this upcoming class. Offensively, though, it's the worst unit in football still. And I said, following their win in London against the Jaguars, this is the type of game that can turn your season around. You go into a bye week, you come back against the Titans, and this right here is your test. If you beat Tennessee on the road, we're all going to look at this as a possible wildcard team. They're going to be in the hunt, and Russell Wilson will be playing his best football in the last eight or nine weeks of the season. Their offense was a train wreck yesterday. I want to give a huge shout-out to Cameron Sutton, who had a ridiculous one hit to grab. But Greg Dulich, a guy I talked up, had one total catch, and that was really it. And I look at this Broncos team, just like the Raiders, we expect him to be in the playoff mix this year. Is Nathaniel Hackett gone after one year? <laughs> now, I just said that I'm not in favor of getting rid of guys after one year, right? <sighs> I might have to go back on that because I just... I mean, I know there's been injuries right on the offense, okay? Jerry Judy has been in and out. Tim Patrick got injured right before the season. Uh, Javante Williams got injured in game three, I think, towards ACL. There's been injuries. But this guy just has not – I mean, at least the Raiders have been competitive, like, 
in some of their games. And I know the Broncos games, some of them have been, a lot of them have been close, but they've been so atrociously bad on offense, like really low. So 11 to 10 just tells you the whole 11 to 10. You never see that 11 points. What? Uh, but yeah, I, I just, I didn't, I never believed in Hackett before the season. Uh, it was just a, a shot to try and get Aaron Rodgers. We all see right through the move. Uh, they, they really screwed the pooch here. Uh, yeah, I, I think he might be out. There, that is a very likely uh, that he's going to be out uh, after this season because it's just at the end of this season because it's just not looking good. And John, I just want you know, you said the worst offense in the NFL. So, are you saying that the offensively challenged New England Patriots have a better offense than the Denver Broncos? What? Just barely be captured. Just barely. Maybe if the Broncos get the better of the 2021 quarterbacks in that class in Justin Fields instead of Mac Jones, and then, opposed to taking Patrick Sertan as an absolute stud, they took Derek Stinley in the 2022 draft, this Broncos team right now would be in an awesome situation. But unfortunately, just like the Patriots, they're stuck in the middle. No, nah, the Broncos aren't in the middle. They're down low, though. They're very competitive for as bad as this offense is. I don't, I don't give a crap. We're five and four. Don't do that. Cat got your tongue, Johnny Boy. <laughs> but seriously, how's that redemption arc looking with the Denver Broncos? Like, I, w- I want to know what's going on. Are you off that? You're done now? You're, not, you're never going to bring that up? That was the stupidest argument you've probably ever made? Ian. Are you going to take that L? In the words of Russell Wilson, there's light at the other side of the tunnel. So, <laughs> so when you look at the other side of the tunnel, the Broncos, 2023 first round draft pick, the Dolphins have. Okay. We know, excuse me, they have the Dolphins pick from the Bradley Chup trade, but they don't. Oh, they do have their own. I'm all over the place. No, they don't. The Seahawks have their first-round draft pick. There you go. The Seahawks also have their second-round draft pick. There you go. But the caveat here is that first-round pick from the Dolphins is San Francisco's. If that matters much, both those two first-round picks are going to be somewhere in the 20s. So for Denver, you have one pick in the first two rounds of the draft. And... um. You still have Russell Wilson, who's been an utter train wreck. So it's not a very bright light at the end of the tunnel, if I had to say so, so that, myself. That, that redemption arc has died. I don't know what you're talking about, my man. You know, like, if it wasn't remember, said on the show, it wasn't said. Yeah, well, in the great, in the immortal words of John Tortorelli, the best quality in a person is when they can admit their losses. If it wasn't said on the air, it's off. And you were hyping up the Broncos on air. Don't do that. You were hyping up the Broncos. And then they traded Bradley Chubb. That, Their defense that, is still insane. They lost K1 Williams this season, but. Oh, boy. Maybe they trade Russell Wilson and get a first round pick. You think anyone's going to trade for Russell Wilson with this 200 plus million dollar deal? No. He's not even been a top 20 quarterback this season. 
Texans would take him. No, they won't. They're going to get Bryce Young. They're actually going to have some level of a direction when they have Bryce Young. I bet they're you the, Tex- Bryce, the Titans would take him. Damon Pierce, Laramie Tunsil, and Brandon Cooks, and they're going to be off to the races. The Titans could take him. No. Why would Tennessee take him? Because he's better than Ryan Tannehill. But he's a depressed asset. You're not giving up a first-round pick for him when you just had Malik Willis come in, and he actually has God a upside to be good. No, he doesn't. And what... What's your... I don't think you understand. The quarterback position is the toughest in sports. And for I, a pure project with a bunch of tools, it takes right, time for them to develop. Yeah, but he showed, showed nothing. I don't get it. Yeah, you, you said, said he, showed he showed your nothing. words. John, you said your words. He showed potential to have whatever the hell. He showed nothing. He played like crap. He could run the football. He has good arm power. And his teammates are dropping passes. He didn't have trail on Burks. Robert Woods this year hasn't been that good. And he made a couple of nice throws. He made one very nice back shoulder throw to Austin Hooper in the Chiefs game. He displayed some level of touch. The issue is, and he's a little bit older for a prospect, which is why this is a little bit concerning, he doesn't. Be, he can't read defenses. That's not something in his toolbox right now. But you say to yourself, two or three years in this offensive system, he's going to get comfortable in it. And we're looking at Justin Fields right now. He was one of the worst starting quarterbacks in the, in the entire league the first five or six weeks of the season. And now we're seeing with a very smart offensive coordinator, Luke Gassi, the Bears offense has went from abysmal to one of the best in football behind Justin Fields' absolute excitement. He's been running all over teams. So I don't want to hear this, he's bad, you have to trade for a veteran, when at the quarterback position, when it comes to is investing in talented players and giving them a chance to carve their way out and develop into a good player. The, Justin Fields is cute, right? Like he, I. But it. He might be I'm the best quarterback in the 2021 NFL draft when I look at. Oh yeah. my god, dude! He has like four good games, and you're blowing so much smoke up his ass. Why do people do this? Why can't people just be realistic? Sit down and say, okay, he's doing his thing right now, but I need to see it over a year, two year span three-year span where I can see consistently that this guy is really what he is. Because, John, if you know anything about sports, any they can have a great year. It's about what you follow it up with. Because guess what? Defenses and the opposing teams are going to have much more tape and film on you that they are going to be able to dissect and understand you much better. They're doing great with Justin Fields right now. Round of applause. But – when the film gets put out there in the offseason, people are studying it. They're going to start figuring out and be like, okay, this is what they're doing now. We can start, you know, shutting that down. And then now Justin Fields is going to have to be a drop-back quarterback and try and, you know, be a Kirk Cousins-esque quarterback and pass from the pocket, and we're going to have to see if he can even do that. We don't know that. That's what Lamar Jackson is trying to prove right now. He's literally in the in the process of trying to prove that right now. And while he's having some success, is he not also having not much success too? Because when you take away the attributes of their legs, can they be a great thrower of the football? Because that is what it comes down to when you are playing quarterback. He's top six in rushing yards, which is pretty insane. That's congratulations. I don't want my quarterback running the football. Name me the running quarterback that won a Super Bowl. Name me the running quarterback that won a Super Bowl. The game can change. The game can evolve. It never happened. 
Bez means one can't in the future. And dude, okay. I think if Cam Newton, that is what I compare Justin Fields to. And Cam is a player that struggled year in and year out to rip off 10, 11, 12 win seasons. And if that's Justin Fields' comp, that's an NFL MVP. That's one of the best dual threat quarterbacks the league has ever seen. And so for Fields, man. Cam knew it was never a great throw of the football either. No, he wasn't. He wasn't, okay. to be fair. He wasn't. That's he what was I'm saying. an average one at like, best. Let's, let's, let's relax. Okay, I'm, I'm pushing a little bit. But his ability as a runner at a huge six foot four, the dude was a stud. And I think yes, but Fields... again, it, it, it has a lifespan, and it's a very short lifespan. We've seen it so many times. There's countless players you can look at in the history of running quarterbacks and the amount of punishment they take over the years, and it doesn't lead to success. I mean, it can lead to some success, but it won't lead to the highest mountain, and it will lead to an eventual falling off the cliff where your body is just beaten and broken. That's not for every rushing quarterback, but with Justin Fields, it is very true. He takes a lot of punishment. Well, and name I the running myself, quarterback that hasn't. that in 10, 15 years. Name a running quarterback that doesn't take a lot of punishment. Lamar, because of how elusive he is. Lamar takes well, all right. Yes, but even Michael Vick, with how elusive he was, eventually it caught up with him, and it's going to catch up. I think it – okay, Lamar is a fair point, but he takes some hits here and there. I will give you Lamar ja – I will give you Lamar Jackson. For right now, he is doing a very good job of staying away. But, and it has to do a lot with his his elusive elusive how you say that? elusive elusive no elusivity 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 elusiveness elusiveness there you go in layman's terms elusiveness <laughs> uh, that that's how he's able to stay out of trouble a lot. But all right, I give you that one. But in over the history of the NFL, if you name a running quarterback, they have taken a lot of punishment, and eventually it. It, it, it didn't work out at the end. Michael Vick was pretty elusive as well. Yeah, but he, he was injury prone, if you remember how injury prone Michael Vick was. And that had a lot more to do with his slight frame. Lamar is a, a, a bigger quarterback, and he packs a lot more uh, uh, weight on him. So that's going in Justin Fields. Uh, that will help him for extended a little bit longer, but not much longer. Because if you look at Cam Newton, he was able to get it for like a good, what, eight, nine years? And then it it's just started that. to, yeah. Justin Fields, Bren, takes some vicious shots sometimes. Yep. It's the, it's still, the... Still... Go ahead. I still am very excited because you look at his class of quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence this year hasn't taken that next step. He's shown signs. Zach Wilson, if anything, has regressed. Mac Jones has regressed, and part of it's due to injury for both of those two guys. And Trey Lance has a broken ankle, has not played. Justin Fields is the only quarterback from the draft class who has taken a step forward, and his rookie year was promising. Now he's already showing out to be one of the better dual threat quarterbacks in the game, and there's only about six of them, seven of them. But when you watch what he can do as a runner and the arm talent, maybe he's not, you know, the next Lamar Jackson, but he can be a very good quarterback, and I love his leadership. I love the kid. I think he's going to be a really good player. Yeah. Um, talking about uh, Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars, here's an interesting stat that you might not have uh, known about. So in the point differential, right, um, the AFC South, the Tennessee Titans, minus two. The Indianapolis Colts, minus 46. The Houston Texans, minus 58. 
And the Jaguars at three and seven, plus 11. That means they're able to keep games close. Once Trevor Lawrence is able to figure it out, and I think when, again, I think the Jaguars are more of a next year team and down the future. Calvin Ridley is going to be entering that team, and it's going to be a whole different discussion next year with Trevor Lawrence. The issue is that Lawrence kind of stinks it up in the fourth quarter and the red zone. Yeah, because he doesn't have that number one receiver to go to. And again, it's fine. It's it's okay right now with and, and John. You're the one telling me a couple of weeks ago about Zach Wilson. Pump the brakes, sir. It's so young. Like relax. It is. You, you got to relax. Okay. You know, he, it's fine to make the early mistakes as long as you're learning from those mistakes. If you had to, with the way Fields is playing right now, stack him up to Tila. Those are the top two quarterbacks of the 2021 class in terms of global view which one do you have more faith in long term trevor lawrence and it's not even a question not even a question not even a question so there's no possibility fields becomes a better player no i don't think so okay i, I love like i love i love the jaguars fit right now especially with doug ep uh, i like the direction they're moving they got a lot of young talent with a lot of potential i love the calvin ridley move travis Etienne's a beast so is Khalil Herbert. He is, but I like the positioning more of the Jacksonville Jaguars right now. I got to be honest with looked you. really good. Gotten better and better every week. I'm telling you from me, I like the Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence. And then I can even bring into the injury discussion. I'll take Trevor Lawrence all day because Justin Fields is going to put himself into a lot of dangerous and precarious situations. I don't think Trevor Lawrence is going to do that. Unless it's absolutely necessary. I really like what Fields is doing right now. Yeah, I know you do, and a lot of people like it. Became a better player. I mean that you could have those feelings. A lot of people have those feelings right now, but I don't think people are looking at. I mean, this is what happens all the time. That people blow smoke up a lot of players' asses when they have great, you know couple games are a great season but it's all about the follow-up it's always about the follow-up great you did that but now what are you going to do when defenses are honing in on you and now you don't have those expectations that you did last year now you've got those expectations oh here comes pressure well now that opens up the passing game for him as he develops those concepts similar to lamar and you're going to play heavily in the box to account for my rushing ability and so the naked bootlegs i'm going to roll out and have Less guys in the secondary, more guys in the box to deliver throws. Yeah, and we've seen Lamar struggle. We've seen Lamar struggle. And we've seen him win an MVP. We did see him win an MVP. We've seen him struggle this year, too. And he has been, we have to say this, this year, Lamar Jackson has really been a more of a pocket passer than he has ever been. And it's not even close. Like he has been, and he has struggled. He has struggled, and he's had great moments. I'm not saying that, but he also has struggled. We think about that, uh, what, that game uh, against Miami, the overthrow. On the back-to-back throws, tough. I love Lamar, though. Speaking of Lamar Jackson, next week, PCAP, 
He yeah. gets to yes. beat Baker Mayfield with P.J. Walker dealing with a high ankle sprain. And it's so weird to me. What is going on all these Panthers quarterbacks having high ankle slash list rank injuries? Sam Dermont has one. Baker has one. P.J. Walker has one. And Matt Corral had a list rank injury in training camp. It's the most bizarre thing. The Panthers there are coming off of a win against the Falcons. Deontay Foreman this year, when he gets the football, has shown, just like last year in Tennessee, a really good backup running back, much better than Mike Davis, unless you love fantasy football. And even if you do love fantasy football, I think Deontay Foreman's probably still better. When you look at this Baker Mayfield led Carolina offense, no more Matt Rule, no more Robbie Anderson, but LaVisca Chenault, not there. I'm not thinking LaVisca, LaVisca Chenault, not wrong player. He is on this team. But Terrace Marshall gets opportunities. He's a very good receiver that for some reason, I don't know why exactly, but his former head coach would not use him. This right here might be Baker Mayfield's last starting chance in the NFL. His last stand, if you will. Because his lows, Brandon, are among the lowest I have ever seen. And if I were to go through middling quarterbacks, Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, Ryan Tannehill. Tua, nah, I think Tua is much better than Baker. All of these quarterbacks, I think their ceiling was higher than Baker, and their floor is much higher, much more consistent, much more credible, more durable. And just overall, I think more reliable quarterbacks, given they've won more consistently. A word that you're using right now, I want to see you do this for multiple seasons. And Baker Mayfield has far from done it in multiple consecutive years. Well, that's not true. Uh, he played very well in his rookie year. Uh, and he played incredibly well in 2019. And then the year after that, he got injured. He struggled in 2019. The second season, he was a uh, massive... No, 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 no. That was... Oh, apologies. 20, 2020, not 2019. The, 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 the playoff run year. Yes, the 2019 run was not that good because of Freddie Kitchens and he should have never been the head coach. But, again, we don't want to bring up that type of stuff. Talking uh, about one-and-done coaches. Huh? Talking about one-and-done coaches. He's one of them. He is one of them. Rightfully so. He's terrible. God-awful. But, again, consistency, I saw it. I saw rookie year, I saw 2020. So, I, I don't know. You know, you, you're, you've got this, you know, hatred towards Baker for some reason. I don't know what Baker ever did to you, you know. I've actually heard you on, on um, uh, I forget who you were talking to. You were like, I like players. I root for players with that type of moxie, with the, with the chip on their shoulder and underrated players. But with Baker Mayfield, I guess it's all hate, right? You hate Baker Mayfield because he feel, he checks all those categories. Checks them all. No, don't do that. You're not a realist. A realist won't sit here and be like, Justin Fields is the best quarterback in the 2021 NFL draft because he's played Kobe. good the last four games. Oh, ho, 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 ho. No one from that class has what he has. What, running ability? Insane legs. Top-end speed that is out of this world. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Trey Lance, Lance can run a little be. bit. Trey Lance can run a little bit. Trey Lance can't stay healthy. But Trey again, Lance has no reps. Literally, okay. he has one year of reps in the last five years. But again, one name me the running quarterback that's won a Super Bowl, John. That's going to change. That's going to change. Okay. Yes. The league's constantly changing, my man. It is. But one thing is always stay the same, right? You win 
in the pocket. That doesn't mean you can't win while you can do both. Play in structure, play out of structure, dual threat ability. It opens up everything. And I think Jalen Hurts is going to prove you wrong at some point. It's all about Jalen Hurts. Whoa, Jalen Hurts? You mean Justin Fields? Jalen Hurts. Oh, Jalen Hurts. Oh, okay. I think he'll be the one to break that trend. Huh? He'll be the one? He's going to win the Super Bowl before Lamar? Yeah, Yeah, I think so. Lamar's not winning the Super Bowl. Not in Baltimore. He's not winning the Super Bowl. No way. Well, is Philly winning the Super Bowl this year, John? Is that your Super Bowl prediction this year? Midseason. We didn't get to this. Russell Wilson had 866 rush yards the season he won the Super Bowl in 2014. So, yeah, I think a rushing quarterback. He was not a a run-first quarterback. He was stopping. Yeah, nearly 1,000 on the ground. It still doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He was not a run-first quarterback. Get out of here. But he led the NFL in yards of carry. Okay, that's fine, but he still wasn't a run-first quarterback. Okay. He was a pass Jalen Hurts is so good as a rusher and a thrower. He's pretty good. All right. You can make the cases as much of a thrower. No, that's not the case. You can. When, when, so are you, are you making the prediction right now that the Philadelphia Eagles are going to win the Super Bowl this year? I don't think they're going to this season, but I do think they're going to make the NFC Championship game. And from there, one game, we just saw the Bengals go to the Super Bowl. They won 10 games last year. So if the Eagles won 15 or 16, right, the Cowboys lose. This division is safely in their hands. They've secured it. They're going to be the number one seed. They're going to get a bye this year. And if they're playing the winner of Vikings-Cowboys in the second round, or the winner of, what would it be? Buccaneers. Giants. What would be the seventh seed? I think the Giants will be the sixth seed. Buccaneers. Well, no, but right now, right now the Giants are the fifth seed, so they would match up with the Buccaneers. Good point. As it stands right now. Yep, yep. Yep, I'm taking right. Tampa Bay in that game. I'm taking Philadelphia. Oh, you're talking Philly? Well, I take Tampa Bay in both games. I was talking about the Giants. I'm taking Tampa Bay over the Giants. I'm the taking playoffs. Philadelphia against all of those teams. They're the best no, team in the United States. No, that's They're fine. the most complete, the best quarterback play. Great scheme. Great quarterback. He played pretty coaching, damn well culture. last year in the playoffs, right? Elite secondary. You cannot overlook what James Bradbury and don't play Slay can do. So a D, an offense like the, the Buccaneers has no explosiveness when Julio Jones is at the line. You don't need explosiveness. Okay, that's why you have uh, more losses than wins this year, right? Who, the Bucs? Yeah. They're 5-5, five and five, buddy. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you got to update your resume, you know? They're 5-5. Five and five, I do gotta update my resume. Yeah, 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 yeah. I took him a couple of weeks to get back to 500, so I was right. I'll accept my loss there. They're going Last into the bye, and they're going to go, they're go, they're going, they're going to go 6-1 and one down the stretch. Finish 11 and uh, 6 this season. They did that in the Super Bowl season. The Buffalo Bills, we didn't get to talk about exactly how crazy their end of the uh-huh. game was yesterday versus the Vikings. Handful of turnovers in the fourth quarter. I feel Probably like we catch. really I feel like we really undersold that catch too. Like I oh, apologize totally. to everybody that I wasn't um, – very hyped about it when we brought it up, but we really understood yeah, that good catch, catch by Justin Jefferson, uh, fourth I mean, and eighteen. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was kind it was, of cool. He kind of one hand snags in the midair at the defender pulling his right arm down. While he uh, has body contorted. This is an all right catch. All right, that gosh. the fact is on the fourth eighteen, fourth and eighteen, game on the line, down seven. You just get the ball back. Kirk Cousins having a rough day in the hostile environment in the cold. Kirk can't perform. Oh no, that's Justin Jefferson. If you had to rank the top five receivers in football, 
you're watching Tyreek and Jettis, I would make the case each of those two this year can reach 2,000 yards if they have a couple of monster games. I'm going to read off these stats to you, but I want to get your take first off. If you had to rank Jettis, Tyreek Hill, Jamar Chase, and last but not least, Stephon Diggs? Diggs is in there too. Who am I forgetting? Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup. Okay, so we'll take out Diggs. We'll keep Diggs in. If you had to rank Jettis, Jamar, Tyreek, and Cooper Cup, those four players, what would the list, what would the order be? I'll just go to the top five uh, since we're, at, we're right there. Um, right now, I do think Tyreek Hill has, has kind of proven himself that he has got to give it up to him. He's the best wide receiver in the NFL. I mean, he went to Miami. He's literally single-handedly changed the Miami Dolphins into a, uh, I believe, fraudulent contender, but at least they have the contender next to their name now. Uh, and he has a legitimate um, chance to actually get 2,000 yards, which many have tried and many have come up short. Uh, number two... I think you'd. I think you have to go to Stefan Diggs, uh, and I think Stefan Diggs because I think he gets underrated a lot, but he really is directly correlated to Josh Allen's um, success in the NFL, and I stand by that. When jo- when he Stephon didn't have Diggs, his best season until he got to play with Josh. Come on, really? That's because Kirk Cousins favored Adam Thielen and was feeding him. That's why he wanted out of Minnesota because Kirk Cousins kept favoring Adam Thielen. Stop that. Stefan Diggs was directly correlated to Josh Allen's success in the NFL. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, then I would probably have to go Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase. But those last three are kind of all right there. I mean, they're all pretty much right there. The only reason I put Tyreek and and uh, Diggs up there is because they have single <clears> – <throat> excuse me. They have single-handedly – changed their teams and their um, quarterbacks and the talks around those quarterbacks and the teams. Well, all of them have. And, you know, there's one player in there we forgot. Do you know who it was? Devontae Hopkins. Um, that's, that's the tale. Hopkins? You know, all of those receivers, Brent, do that. The all-transform offenses. The Packers without Devontae are you lose Devontae, and you don't even replace him with, like, an MVS who's got experience with Rodgers. You replace him with rookies. And the Packers' offense has dwindled, you know? It's went from sniper to... It's a little pistol. Bengals' offense. We've seen it struggle mightily without Jamar Chase and how good, how dynamic it is with Jamar. Of course, Justin and Tyreek, they're doing amazing things. And then the other receiver, Cooper Cup. I mean, you have to take a, a huge take or a huge stamp of approval for Matthew Stafford elevating Cup, but without Cup, that Rams offense is, you know, a total train wreck. So you need dynamicism. And Diggs, sure, he's having his best season yet, 109 yards a game. You need just explosiveness to win in the NFL. You need to have a balanced attack. And I think for all those players, it's not a surprise that they lead teams to win single-handedly because when you put a great quarterback and a great receiver together, that single-handedly yields. Very good offenses. I mean, Kirk Cousins, could you imagine kind of the perspective we'd have on him if he had a receiving core akin to what it was in Washington, opposed to Thielen, Diggs, Jefferson, KJ Osborne's even pretty decent number three. He has a lot going for him. So, you know, you just can't win without a receiver. One thing I got to bring up about your boy, Joshua, you and Justin's boy, Joshua Allen, the proclaimed... Just Josh. Uh, the best player in the NFL. 
Josh Allen, 0-4 in overtime games in his career. 33-30 versus the Vikings. 42-36 versus Kansas City. 33-27 to Tampa Bay. And 22-19 versus the Houston Texans. All three of the Bills' losses this year are directly correlated to Josh Allen's play. Two picks against Minnesota and New York, respectively. And he played terrible against the Miami Dolphins. This narrative on the one-score games, again, also has not changed. Josh Allen, this year alone, two and three in one-score games. Also, a nice little stat for you, John, because you always have to throw your pot shots at Matthew Stafford for turning the football over, right? Since the start of 2021, Josh Allen and Matthew Stafford have led the league in interceptions. So I hand that all to you, and I ask you, what do you have to say? You're just a hater, bro. I'm not a hater. Those are freaking full-on stats. Stop it. You're not even going to mention Sean McDermott's completely hideous decision. You're up by 10 points. Deep into Vikings territory. Fourth down. Rather than kicking the field goal. Come on, no. You go for it. Come on, no. That right there directly correlated to Josh Allen's first interception. The only one in regulation. The only one. That never happens. If they kick the field goal to go up by 13 points, I don't care what the math says, as Rex Ryan would state, you just take the points there, and for the Vikings, you now have to have them score two touchdowns against your defense just to win the game. And... Keep in mind, this is in the fourth quarter. Okay, so, I give you that. I'm I, not putting I, all the flack on Josh Allen. I give you that there, but what happened, happened. Talk about what happened in overtime, John. Talk about that interception. Talk about who led the overtime, kid. What no, but that? what happened? What happened? It doesn't matter. He let him. Congratulations. What do you mean? He had 37 seconds and he almost scored he let him to overtime. Seconds. What did what he do mean? in no. overtime? What did he do? What was the final play of the game? Josh Allen throwing what? A game losing interception. What did he see on that play? What did he see on that play? Looking a little bit like Mr. Zachary Wilson out there. Okay, well, he's also playing through an injury with his elbow. Oh, as well. poor boo boo. Then he shouldn't have played. He was he playing a very good game yesterday, Josh Allen. If you were to look past that one interception in the fourth quarter, he played and you're also fumbled the ball twice game. as well, too. One time, and it was just a bad center to quarterback exchange. Still that goes in both him and the John, center, not just Josh. Four turnovers in one game. And what are you going to talk about the other things then? 0-4 in overtime. These are not coincidences. This is four times. This isn't once or twice. Four times it's happened. All three of the losses, they correlate to him. You can say what you want about Sean McDermott not going for it on I mean going for it on fourth down, not kicking the field goal. I give you that. Quarterbacks hurts. Not running the football. I mean, his quarterbacks running the football for any plus rushing yards. Come out. Was he hurt? Was he hurt when he was running the football against the uh, Vikings? Was he hurt when he was throwing the touchdowns? Was he hurt when he was throwing the ball to Stefan Diggs? Was he only hurt? John, was he only hurt when he threw the interception? He was playing a flawless game while injured. I mean, that's some pretty crazy stuff, my flawless? friend. Flawless? He had four turnovers. He had three. 
That's congrats. Devin Singletary on the fourth. So you took garbage and you just pissed on it instead of talking a crap. Congratulations. He went to four to three. It's still turn. He's turning the ball over more. He's led the league in. I give. He led the league in interceptions the last since twenty twenty one. Him and Stafford, most interceptions. I think Baker, if you actually play enough games, they'll lean that. Oh, no, no, no. We're not bringing up Baker. Baker's not Baker's not in this conversation right now. Don't try and scapegoat. Your boy Josh Allen, he's got a problem about in the clutch, showing up when the money's on the line. Again, it I all bring goes to you, Josh Allen, not, not, John, not the head coach. What's just, Josh just Allen's signature moment? What's the first thing that pops up when I say, what's Josh Allen's, Josh Allen's signature moment? What is the first thing that pops into your mind? The Kansas City Chiefs playoffs game. And what was the outcome? He took an L. I don't care how he played. He still he took the L. He played a flawless L. game. The, no. He played better the, than Patrick the, Mahomes. John, John, but the point of that, the point of why I'm saying that is his best moment and biggest moment and shyness moment was a loss. And the second one could be correlated to what? This one against the Vikings right here? He lost again. In all those moments that you point to for Josh Allen, he loses. He comes up short. It's not a coincidence. It's not. What if Andy Reid were his head coach? Uh, we're not bringing that up because you're a Sean McDermott fan. Stop it. Stop it. Uh, no. I wouldn't say I'm a Sean McDermott fan. You like no. to put words in other people's no. mouth because I never said that. No, I'm not. I'm not letting you get away with that. Nope, nope. Because he's got a fine head coach in Sean McDermott, who a lot of people like. All right, but he's he tenses up in the in, in crunch time, and it's not just the quarterback. He's it seems the, like things Josh, get a little bit stiff. So are you just going to disregard Josh Allen throwing the, the the coaches can only coach? They make the decisions, and if right, it worked like, for his first like a, decision, hold on, they never go to overtime, and Josh Allen never throws two picks, and he never has a turnover, and they win that game. And guess what? This conversation would not exist because the Bills would have seven wins. John, I got a quote for you. Coaches write the script. Players make the movie. All right. So he wasn't went, a perfect yeah, coach, script. Huh? Wasn't a perfect script. It doesn't. But but you still don't have to throw the football. Why are you throwing it into traffic there? Why not just roll out and throw it out of bounds or run like you usually do? Why are you forcing it into like four four? Throw it out of bounds in a fourth down. <laughs> throw it out of bounds on a fourth down was that a fourth down and the, the last play quarter, of the game was the first a fourth one. down no with 10 minutes I'm, left when they went i'm for talking a no, i'm talking goal. about the last play in overtime i don't i was talking about the first patch of peterson all right, but we're talking about the fourth quarter in the i mean not the, the overtime we're talking about the last play that was not fourth down i don't believe that was fourth down continue so that's what i'm saying why are you forcing it over the middle You know, B-Cap, I don't want to come off here like the guy from Moneyball, and I'm, I'm I'm blanking on his name currently. No, not Brad Pitt, not the actor. But when he <laughs> throwed the football 43 times, typically you're going to have the pick. When you play five quarters of football, Josh Allen's play style is every now and then is going to lead to one or two bad mistakes, one or two poor decisions, and the Vikings capitalized. 
you have to give credit to a Viking team that seized the opportunity. They got that fumble, not Josh Allen. That was one hell of a play by Eric Kendricks. That's a winning football play. That's what separates good teams and great teams. The Vikings won the day. They came in to a rough environment, and when it, when it mattered most, when the opportunity presented itself, they made some of the best plays of the entire week. So you can't just throw it all on Josh Allen. you got to give credit to the opponent. you got to recognize his head coach play in that situation. And then Baloney. you recognize Allen didn't play a great game, Baloney. but he was also injured in the process Baloney. against a very good NFC component. Uh, Baloney. Baloney. I am going to blame Josh Allen. Baloney. I am going to blame Josh Allen because it is his fault. Because at the end of the day, the coaches coach and the players play. Okay, at the end of the day, that's what happens. And I don't remember you making this argument when you were talking about Matthew Stafford turning the ball over at a, at, a, at a high rate. I don't remember you doing that. I remember you just blaming Matthew Stafford for making dumb decisions. But when it comes to, you know, your boy, Joshua, it's all oh, at Sean McDermott. Oh, he's injured. His elbows hurt. I didn't say it was all Sean McDermott, did I? I said well, one part it was Sean McDerm. It's Sean McDermott's fault. It's the injury's fault. It's all these other things. It's not Josh Allen though. He's the last thing. He's the one who threw the football. Was he hurt the entire game or not? Or was he only hurt on the plays that he threw the interception and fumbled the football? That's all I gotta know. Because he did that. That's what happened. Tom Brady won a Super Bowl on a torn uh, MCL. That happened at 43 years of age. So I don't want to hear it, spring chicken. I don't want to hear it. Throw some dirt on it and get out on the football field. Get out of here with that. Yeah. Tom Brady had a freaking gouge in the middle of his hand against the Saxonville back then and won the football game. So I don't want to hear it. Get out there and play football. I don't think his is his brain is something wrong with his brain. Can he still think? Can he still see? Is his eyes fine, or is it his elbow? <laughs> Silence speaks a thousand words, John. It's all right, you know. When you're wrong, you're wrong. You just gotta admit it. Not top five. Not top five. Easily not top five. Not top five. And you about the 40th attempts a game, go tell Aaron Rodgers that. Go tell Aaron Rodgers that. <laughs> he did a pretty good job not turning the football over, did he? It's <laughs> <laughs> all right. Country road. Take me home. Remember that song during the German the, the game in Germany? That's like the best moment of the football season for you, my friend. Tom Brady went to Germany. It was a big moment. Loved it. Loved it. To shut you up, 100%. You're talking all that crap on Tom Brady, you and your Pittsburgh Steelers family that you guys text in your Discord. Oh, we hate Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Sickens me. Disgusting. Should be appreciating greatness. It's a, it should be a goddamn privilege for you to watch that man go out there and play football. Never said I wasn't appreciating greatness. I'm watching it right now in Buffalo. Actions speak louder than words. No, you're not seeing it in Buffalo because he threw a freaking interception to end the game. So, He's got more words than Brady right now, what? kid. Guess what? Guess what? He ain't in the MVP conversation no more. 
No, he's not. No, he's not. <laughs> no, he's not. So, continue. Can't have the last month, he just had. In the wake of a humbling defeat, I like those words by this very talented journalist, the Raiders owner Mark Davis Braden publicly backed McDaniels, saying he's not considering canning the coach less than a year into the four-year contract the ex-Patriots assistant signed in January. So it looks like for you, you might have to go another season, is what this is telling me, of Matt Patricia and Joe Judge as the Patriots always say. So for Mac Jones, he's not actually going to have Josh McDaniels a year from now. How are you feeling? Talking about your actual quarterback. He's taking a huge step back this year, and he's still with injury. Um, Slow the roll, How does that affect the Patriots? Slow the roll, buddy. That's not my quarterback. He ain't my quarterback. You're a Patriots fan. I am a Patriots fan, but that's still not my quarterback. I don't I do not do this blind love like every other team in the NFL where they get a rookie quarterback and they, you know, you know what. All right, like the Giants. So you're a Bailey Zappi guy, huh? No, I'm not a Bailey Zappi guy either. Mac Jones is way better than Bailey Zappi. You've got to pick a side. I did. I just literally said Mac Jones is way better than Bailey Zappi. So I think that is picking a side, John. My quarterback is forever and always Tom Brady. My team is the New England Patriots. Listen, Josh McGill is coming back. That's fine. There's rumors that Bill O'Brien might be leaving Alabama and could be coming back to New England. That's much. That's a much bigger improvement over Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. I'd take, in, I'd take him over those two guys any day of the week and twice on Sunday. There's some other guys that can come in. We'll see. I do think it changes, though. I don't think that Patricia and Joe Judge are the guys calling the offensive plays next year. We watched history, though, on Sunday. And I'm really going to think about that Viking-Bills game for a long time. That was one of the best regular season games I've ever seen. Well, I mean, in terms of history, I mean, you know, Tom Brady winning again in Germany. That was great history. I thought the Viking game was actually uh, more entertaining, more better better product. More... You like quarterbacks that turn the football over a lot. And come up short in the biggest moments. <laughs> Okay. Let's be the Zay, John. Let's be the Zay. Is there anything else you would like to say that is not Tom Brady related? Uh, no, pretty much good. Feeling good. Heading into the bye week. Patriots are about to beat up on the Jets this week. So, you know, can't wait for Thursday morning. Get our boy Justin back up on here so I can tell him about Josh Allen, how he is come up short a lot too yeah loving life right now i told you john what did i tell you while i was having that rough patch you guys have your you know your laughs now but i will have the last laugh he who laughs last laughs loudest thank you so much for watching and staying to the very end of episode number 50 I was John Tortorelli. I am. I'm not dead. I'm John Tortorelli. This is Brandon Capizello. And as always, we'll see you next time. Hey, class. 